Uh, greeting once again, uh, the provost, the ministerial team. I appreciate you for the opportunity. And thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be in your miss. Uh, and I bring you greetings from the city of Jos. Uh, since yesterday, many people have said to me, we prayed for Nigeria, we've been praying for Nigeria. Uh, thank you so much. I believe that the Lord is answering our prayers. Uh, we didn't have much crisis following our elections. We pray it gets better. And our prayer is that Africa gets better. Praise the Lord. I also bring you greetings from Langham Preaching, uh, the ministry of uh, John Stott. Uh, which is started at a place called All Souls Langham Place, an Anglican church there, at the ministry, there in the middle of London. So that's where we drive our name from, uh, the Langham Place. So instead of calling it John Stott Ministry, he just called it uh, Langham uh, Partnership, made up of Langham um, scholars, Langham literature, and Langham Preaching. So we work with Langham Preaching where we just encourage ourselves, work together on how we can better understand and preach uh, the Word of God. So we do hope that with time you will get to ask the provost, the assistant provost, things about Langham uh, who will want to be part of equipping us uh, to make us better handlers of God's Word. So this afternoon we are looking at repentance the foundation of refreshing times. Repentance, the foundation of refreshing times. And I think for this month, we'll be working on this team as a church. So because of that, I want to take a little step backwards to show you what uh, the writer of this letter is trying to do. Uh, Luke was the author of the Gospel of Luke, which is like his volume one, and then uh, the Acts of the Apostles was like his volume two, so it's two volume book he wrote. And so I just want to show you what he's doing uh, so that as you keep hearing the theme, uh, repentance, repentance, you won't say why, they're bombarding us with this. They are following the rhythm that Luke had provided us with in the Acts of the Apostles. So, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ had just finished meeting with the two disciples on their way to Emmaus, and he has shown them truly that he is the Messiah. They didn't know that he was the one. They were mourning that actually the Messiah, who is to save Israel, has been killed. And so when, as he broke bread, and they realized, oh, this is the Messiah, they did something, they left their home that night, seven miles journey, back to Jerusalem to tell the apostles, we have seen the Messiah. But as they were saying that, Jesus Christ himself appeared uh, to bring the same word of comfort, word of encouragement uh, to the disciples. So join me as I read verse 45 of Luke chapter 24. Then, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, Open their minds to understand the scriptures. To know that these scriptures talks about things that truly the Savior will come. But this time he is not coming as a physical deliverer. 
He's coming to usher in the kingdom of God. And truly he will die and, rose, and rise again from the dead. So he said to them, he opened their mind to understand the scripture, 46, and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So what you have here in Luke chapter 24, 46 and 47 is the two parts of Luke's volume. So 46 speaks about the suffering, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, which is the account he provided in the Gospel of Luke. So he now moves to the Acts of the Apostle and provided the proclamation of his name. The proclamation of repentance and forgiveness in his name. And that proclamation began in Jerusalem and moved to Judea and moved to Samaria and indeed to the ends of the earth. So what you see in the book of Acts is the record of the advancement of the gospel. As the gospel moves, sometimes through crisis, through internal strife, through persecution, through imprisonment, through shipwreck, but in them all, the gospel was advancing as this message of repentance and forgiveness of sin were preached. Indeed, Acts chapter 6 verse 7 mentions to us, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and the great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 12, 24, the word of God increased. Acts 19, verse 20, the word of God advanced. And then, at the end of the book, verses 30 and 31 of Acts chapter 28, we are told that Paul, who was sent as a prisoner, indeed lived in Rome. 30 says to us, he lived there two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So as of the apostle ends in as, you know, uh, uh, chapter 28, that the word of the Lord grew unhindered. So we come now to the second sermon of Peter, where we read in chapter 3. The first sermon being the sermon on the day of Pentecost, in which he also ended with the message of repentance. Because in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 37, when Peter explained to them what happened on the Pentecost from the ministry of Joel the prophet and explained to them why Jesus had to die, teaching them from the book of Psalms, their hearts were pricked 
And they said to them, brothers, what shall we do? This is the listeners, those who mocked them because they were, you know, uh, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, were mocking them. Now turned, when they heard from scriptures that this is what the Messiah should go through. They said, brothers, what shall we do? In verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So, we see as Peter and the disciples continued in this ministry, we are told that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. But Luke didn't pick most of the signs. He just picked one. The issue of the man who was born lame, who was sitting at the gate of the beautiful gate, entering the temple, begging for arms. And he did. He looked up to Peter and John to give him some money. But Peter looked straight into his face and said to him, Silver, nor gold, have I known. But that which I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, do what? Rise up and walk. And he lifted the man up. And he leaped up. He was what? Leaping, walking, dancing, and praising the Lord. So it became an awesome experience. They've never seen it happen before that a man who was born lame could walk. And on the day he was walking, he was dancing. On the day he was walking, he was limping. And so they were astonished. And so there are three things that Peter wants to point us Two, by this preaching. And I believe that is why Luke recorded it there. So Peter wants them to see the blessings of the Messiah. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has gone. But you need to see the blessings of the Messiah. The second he wants to point them to is the blessings of repentance. That there's a blessing that come, or there are blessings that come through repentance. And the third is for them to see the reward for non-repentance. So they want to see the blessings of the Messiah, the blessings of repentance, and the reward for not repentance. So verse 11, as the man who was born lame, now dancing, now leaping, now walking, now praising the Lord, held on to Peter, the people who have seen him and known him as a beggar were astonished. And they wanted to know, how did this happen? And so Peter said to them in verse 12, and when Peter saw it, the astonishment. He addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? 
Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made this man walk? So, Peter points them back to the fact that it's not from their own power. It's not because of their own holiness. It's not because of their own righteousness. He used the word piety there. It's not because of their own sanctimoniousness. It was because this is the breaking forth of the life of the new kingdom as revealed through the Messiah. And so he said to them, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus Christ, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Look at 16. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong. Whom you see and know, and the faith that is true Jesus, has given the man this perfect heart in the presence of you all. The one you refuse to acknowledge as the Messiah is the one through whom his name brought about the healing of this man. And my translation used the word perfect health. There's nothing you can talk about the fact, but the fact that a man who has never walked all his life suddenly jumped up and was dancing. His wholeness is complete restoration. It's the restoration that Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 35. It's the restoration that can only come through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to experience this wholeness. We may not be physically lame, but there are parts of our lives that are broken. There are parts of our relationships that are broken. Broken relationships with one another. Broken relationships in the family. Broken relationship between us and God. We may be far from God. But the blessing that comes from Jesus Christ, the blessing of wholeness, the blessing of completeness can be yours. And that can be yours if you truly make up your mind to come to Christ. Number two, let's look at the blessings of repentance. 
So after Peter had shown them the Lord Jesus Christ who brought about this wholeness, he now said to them in verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ will suffer, he thus fulfilled. 19. Say, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he might send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So how do you respond to this Messiah who brings wholeness? The response is to come to him in repentance. And in this section, he lists for us three blessings that comes when we come to Christ in repentance. And the first one we find in verse 19. Your sin will be blotted out. Some translation will use your sins will be forgiven. But I want to use the word there blotted out because that is the image is the image of a chalkboard written full, no space. You can't read anything again from it. And then you bring in a wet rag and cleaning it off completely. And when you do it, can you see the thing that was written on the chalkboard before? That's exactly what repentance does. It blots away our sin. He cleanses us and allows us to become new. And my question is, are you going to accept this? Are you going to yield to Christ in this repentance? Are you going to bow down your knee? Are you going to bow down your heart? So that like Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, Verse 14, the record of your death will be cancelled. And that which stood against you with all its legal demand. Some of us here have taken loans. I know that sometimes when you take loans, the problem with loans is not the, the principal, the problem is the interest. Is that true? How will you feel if somebody calls you and says, I have taken your loan, I have cleared the interest. Go home. You feel great. That is what Jesus does with our sin. He picks the loan document. He ticks the principal check. He takes the accumulated interest check. Every legal binding, every legal demand against you. For the Bible said the wages of sin is dead. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. 
that debt is paid in full and you're now free. No longer are you receiving only 45% of your salary. You can now go home with 100%. What an exciting thing. The second blessing of repentance is found in verse 20. A. He said that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. As our sins are blotted out, we receive a newness of relationship with God and we are uplifted in spirit in our walk with God. We are energized to walk and to live for him. There is that joy of salvation as God himself endows us with his spirit. Indeed, we are born of the spirit of God. As we experience this newness of life. And so we go back again to Peter. Peter says to them in verse 17 of Acts chapter 2. Says to them, and in the last day it shall be, declares the Lord God Almighty, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The refreshing is the arrival, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon every child of God, upon those who have confessed their sins, upon those who have come to him in repentance. That Holy Spirit enables you to be able to live the life of Christ. That Holy Spirit teaches you to say no to every ungodliness. That Holy Spirit enables you to say no when the people in your office say, this is what we are going to do. You say, I am not part of it. So that refreshing is the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. That refreshing is the endowing of the Spirit of God upon his church as he gives his church with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And 22b says that he may send the Christ appointed to you whom heaven must receive until the time for restoration, for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. As we experience the forgiveness of sin, as we experience the time of refreshing by the working of the Spirit of God in our lives and the power of the Spirit has been, you know, that, 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 that is demonstrating Christ to the world through us. We wait for the restoration. But what the Spirit does as we repent is that we wait for that restoration with excitement, with joy, with expectation. Because we know that we are one with Christ, because we know that our debts have been canceled and our sins blotted out, there is the joy and the excitement of waiting for the Master. And we are looking forward to meeting Him. 
because we shall be with him forever. But finally, there is a reward for non-repentance. And I don't want any person seated down here to experience that. It's not my desire to experience it. And I believe it's not your desire to experience it. And the reward of non-repentance is a very painful one. Let's look at verses 22 to 23. I read that again. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet, to that prophet, to the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be destroyed from the people. Every soul. It doesn't matter who you are. As long as you fail to listen to the prophet, as long as you fail to bow your knees in repentance, the consequence is disastrous. It's eternal separation from God. It's death, indeed the second death in hellfire. And I want to ask you a question. Do you want to continue to act in ignorance like the men of Israel did? They denied Christ. They handed him over to be killed. Or do you want to continue to feel that you didn't listen? You don't want to listen. But whatever you choose to do, the reward of refusing to repent, the reward of making up your mind to harden your heart is that you will face the judgment of God. Like Joshua, today the Lord himself is setting before you life and death. Like Joshua, the word of God is encouraging you today. Choose life that you may live. But ultimately, it's your choice. There's no minister here that will bend your knee. You will have to bend it yourself. There's no preacher that will bend your heart. You have to bend it yourself. And I want to appeal to you to face Jesus today as your Savior. Because if you don't face him today as your Savior through repentance, you'll face him tomorrow as your judge. And the consequence will be disastrous. Let us pray. Perhaps you have not made peace with God. I want you to ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life. Perhaps you have made peace with God before. But you walk, you live in broken relationship with him. 
I want to, re- to remember the word of the Apostle John. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and true. He will forgive us our sins. Just speak to God. Ask him to forgive you in any way you have denied him. You have not lived for him. Ask him to forgive you in any way you have not been a true witness. And ask him to grant you that wholeness of life. That he may bring the wholeness of life in your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with other members of the church. Ask the Lord to bring that wholeness. Precious Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness in any way we have acted presumptuously. We plead for your mercy in any way we've acted arrogantly. And Lord, we ask, oh God, that as we come before you today, recognizing and forsaking our sins, that Lord God Almighty, you will blot out our sins. You will remember them no more. You will cancel our debts and the legal demands attached to them. That Lord, as we have met with you this afternoon as our Savior, Lord, may we meet with you as our King whenever it pleases you to force to face you. May this be our portion, O God, to your own glory. In Jesus' name we pray.